I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome into the Saturday show, everybody. Hope you all are doing well on this Saturday morning, wherever you're tuning in from along the Wasatch Front or beyond via the KSL KSL Sports app, is what I should say. I almost said the KSL app, but that's a completely separate deal. But my name's Jay Catch. Uh, running things solo today, Michelle Bodkin is down in Las Vegas. She actually joined us a little bit later on today's show. She was down there for Pac-12 Media Day. Uh, a lot of stuff coming out of it. Uh, whether you consider it newsworthy or not, we'll talk about that throughout today's show. We've got Sarah Hosian uh, producing behind the glass once again for us this week. Sarah, what's up? Nothing much. Just glad media days are over. Okay, and that's a very, very good point you make. For us here along the Wasatch Front, now there still is um, going to be uh, media day for the the Big Ten, etc. That doesn't affect us nearly directly as much because we got through Big 12 media days, we got through Mountain West media days, and then yesterday Pac-12 media day, which affect the top three teams in this state, speaking of BYU, Utah, and Utah State. So uh, we made it through, you're right, and it is nice to think that's in the rearview mirror, and now it's kind of all focused on about a week from now, roughly, give or take, uh, all these programs start fall camp, and then we are a month away from the season, really, and then off we go. And this will be is this going to be your second season working on the third season with us? Second season. Okay. Yeah, I joined the team last September. Oh, so okay. kind of mid-season of football. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, so it, it's a crazy time, but fun all the same. And we're going to break a lot of that down on today's show. Consider this to be more of a Pac-12 Media, media Day recap. I know uh, Michelle with me on the road last week, a Big 12 Media Day she did a lot of stuff with the Big 12 uh, Media Day. So we'll hear some comments from George Klyovkov, Pac-12 commissioner. We're also going to get to Kyle Whittingham, uh, Caleb Williams from USC. I'm with our guys down there at Pac-12 Media Day yesterday. If you did not hear that interview, you're going to replay it because he was um, he was on fire. Let's put it that way. It was not necessarily as engaging. or no, He was engaging. He just was a little salty about how uh, some of the questioning it felt like uh, went uh, in that. But we'll talk about that. Um, we'll also get to technical fouls, get to some five minutes of, because we cover some of the other topics in the sports world outside of the Big 12. Uh, it's not the Big 12, the Pac-12, excuse me. Uh, we'll break all that down. And, and we'll have Michelle, as I mentioned, join us at 11 o'clock. Uh, she is still on the road, obviously, uh, having been down there in Las Vegas yesterday. But as we are wont to do, uh, Sarah, let's get things started this week. What's been the highlight of your week oh goodness i don't think it's happened yet okay. i'm getting my engagement pictures taken tonight Uh-oh. so Uh-oh. that's probably gonna be the highlight okay let's stop for a second here. You, want... you sound a little okay. like you have a story i don't like pictures by and large my wife forces me into a lot of the photos that i am i am subject to taking now engagement photos are like i don't know they're, they are very important. So my question for you, your fiancé, I have not had the privilege of meeting him. I've heard met anything great things about him. But how is he with taking photos? He's fine. Fo- 
he doesn't love them either. Okay. I feel like it's definitely that might be a man thing a little bit, but um, he's excited just because it's just one more step closer to like the big day. Uh-huh. He got his hair cut for it. He got his eyebrows oh. done. So like, and we got him a new shirt because okay. he's a very simple man. He wears the same, the same five shirts and four pairs of pants. <laughs> every day so we got him yeah. a new shirt for it right. and things like that so he's ready but i was like you need to smile with teeth because <laughs> he does do the whole yeah he smiles kind but with s- no teeth stone face yeah okay and so i'm like at least for one picture i need you to smile with teeth so now okay so my wife this is, we got married we're now we're in year nine of being married, which is crazy to think. But I remember when we were going to do engagement photos, she's like, okay, so how much involvement do you want to have? And I, Sarah, I, I kid you not. Here's my response. I need to know where to be, what to wear, and when to be there. And she's like, that's it? I'm like, yep, that's it. And she, she to her credit, she took the rest of it and kind of ran with it. She, I had to buy a new, trust me, I had to buy a whole new wardrobe, it felt like, for those photos. But nonetheless, we got through it. The pictures are great. They're still on my wall at my house. They're, like I see them all the time. Do I sit there and be like, ah, that was a lovely day? No, I, I don't do that. My wife might. You may do the same thing, but it's just, it's something that you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited for them just because I'm excited to have like, we've never had like formal pictures taken oh, of okay. us. Got it. Yeah. And so I'm That's excited exciting. just to have yeah. some like professional pictures of us uh-huh. together because it's mainly selfies or some random person <laughs> taking a picture of us. Okay. Now, now that part is pretty cool then in that case. Now, can you give us a little hint of where – are you going salt flats? Are we going up in the mountains? What are we doing? We're kind of – we're going up um, in Provo Canyon. I had no idea where to go. Okay. So when I was setting up a photographer, I was asking them, like, can mm-hmm. you give us some suggestions okay. and places right now that look really good and aren't too high up in the mountains where there's still <laughs> snow in some sure. places yeah. where I don't want snow. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going up into Provo Canyon a little ways, um, uh-huh. and there's a big open field, and so that's kind of where we're going to be taking them. So, cool. All right. Yeah. Well. He was very much like, we just need a few pictures, right? And I'm like, okay, but females... <laughs> Females. A few pictures. You're, I, I like your fiance more and more the more I hear about this dude. I like this. This is awesome. I'm like, no, I need to. It takes like a hundred pictures for me to find a few that I like. <laughs> okay, this is that is the dynamic in and of itself. Because I'm of the same opinion as your fiance. We just need like five or six, right? They're like, mm, no, you're gonna be smiling for hours here, bud. Like, saddle up, let's go. And hey, it'll be great. I'm sure it'll turn out great. I can't wait to see them someday down the road, but I still... Oh, yes, I will be posting them. Just wait. Come on. That's what Instagram exists for. Let's be real. Like, But that's the thing about this. It's a fun time, so congratulations. That's a big, big deal. But I vividly remember, I'm like, I really got to do this. (laughs) Nonetheless. Yeah. Fun times. All right. Highlight of my week real quick before we actually get into the meat and potatoes portion of today's show. Uh... I'd probably say it was honestly, I I worked a lot this week. I filled in two days on Unrivaled. Uh, I did a lot of stuff with Pac-12 Media Day yesterday. But the one thing about the highlight of that, I know it sounds like I'm complaining. I'm not. We're lucky to do what we do here in sports radio. Like We're paid to talk about what's happening in the sports universe. So it's just been a fun week on that front. Now, it's not necessarily the most newsy time of the year. There's not as many sports going on, but at the same time, ton of fun. I go to sit in with Scott Mitchell, had a great time with him, obviously filling in for the two days on Unrivaled, and it's good to be back in the saddle. So I know it sounds weird, but that really was the highlight of the week because I didn't do much else besides that. <laughs> yeah, I worked a lot yesterday, so I understand. Well, I, I know you had to split double duty. I don't know how many people know this, but you also work for the Pac-12 alongside doing stuff here. So obviously with Media Day, I'm sure you were just, up to yeah. your eyeballs. And- yeah, I got here at 9 a.m. Uh-huh. and came back and left here at like 10.30. So Jeez. crazy. it was a long day, but it's okay. It's over now. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's actually get into it. Let's get to what's the big deal. Do you know who I am? No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Really? people know me. I'm very happy for you. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. 
All right. Uh, like I mentioned, it was Pac-12 Media Day yesterday down there in Las Vegas at Resorts World. Uh, it's a new resort. And by the pictures I saw of it, it looked like a fantastic venue to be in. Uh, the funny thing about this is I, I was reading about this. And I don't know if you saw this, Sarah. I guess the main stage, like the the podium stuff was happening. Apparently, that's a nightclub. So that's, that, so that's what the setup was. It was a kind of a lounge area. And apparently last night, after the Pac-12 wrapped up, they were like, just revamp it. And they're going to have a rap concert there last night. So it's, That's the most Vegas thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Trust me. That, I was like, huh, okay. Yeah, it lines up with a lot of what's going on. But nonetheless, uh, fun times. And it's always fun with Media Day because, uh, as I like to describe them, it's, it's hope springs eternal at Media Day. There's, there's very few people who are going to be like, you know what? We're going to suck this year. That's just not how they're going to operate when it comes to talking with the media. Now, obviously, the, the Pac-12 has been under the gun with regards to some of the conversations about this conference. Is it going to be able to survive after uh, USC and UCLA leave? Are they going to have defections? Are they going to have Colorado and Arizona? As it seems like the most likely candidates to make a jump to the Big 12. All that was on the table yesterday when they entered uh, the, the media portion of this. But George Klyovkov, the Pac-12 commissioner, spoke to the media on the record for the first time in literally months, folks. We have not heard from him on the record. There's been a lot of speculation, a lot of reports, hashtag sources, say all, the, all that stuff's been out there. We have not heard from the Pac-12 commissioner, but... In his opening comments, there was a Q&A portion, and there, I'm going to play two parts of this. These were separated by, by I think, two or three questions. So these are right towards the tail end of his media portion. Uh, he was asked essentially, and we'll, we'll play it here. I think it was Richard Johnson, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he obviously is one of the media personalities that was down there. Uh, he asked a question about just kind of how things are going with the Pac-12. So let's play that right now. Richard Johnson, Sports Illustrated. In the back left, over here, George. Uh, is it at all frustrating for you personally or professionally that despite what you're trying to push, the football, the quarterbacks, that you're still dealing with questions about media rights timeline and stuff like that in the midst of all that? I don't consider it frustrating. Uh, it's a reinforcement for me of um, what, what dedicated and passionate fans we have and how much people care about college athletics. And I, I get it. And at the same time, I don't want uh, the opportunity to be missed today to talk about football. It, it's, we're not announcing a media deal on purpose today because I want the focus to be on football. George, just to follow on what you just said, I think a, a response ago, because it caught a lot of people's attention very quickly. You just said you're not announcing a deal today on purpose because you want the attention to be on football. Yep. To be clear, that would imply that the deal is done and codified and just you're waiting until after today. I think you're reading too much into that. So then what is the purpose behind not announcing something, which is what you just said? We want to have the focus on football today. We have an incredibly good football story to tell, and we want that to be the focus today. There you go. So Richard Johnson of Sports Illustrated with the question first, and he said, hey, we're not announcing – George Klyovkov said this on the record, folks. We're not announcing our media rights deal because we want the focus to be on football today. Then James Crepia, the second voice you heard asking a question, works, works for the Oregonian, a guy we've actually had on this station a fair amount of times, a, a really, really good writer and obviously a great commentator. Uh, he, t- he said, okay, what you just said is you guys have a media rights still done and you're not announcing it because of today? And he's like, well, you're reading too much into that. What are we reading too much into, George? Either you have the deal done or you don't. And that – here's the thing. Coming into this, and Sarah, feel free to hop in at any point if you have anything you want to share on this. The biggest conversation going into this was that the Pac-12 does not have their media rights still. That was the conversation going into media day. Now, I talked with some people about this going in, and we'll get Michelle's take on this here in just a little bit. She'll be joining us here at the top of the 11 o'clock hour, is that we knew that the headlines were going to be kind of dominated by the media rights side of things. But the problem is when George gets up there, George Klyovkov, and makes the comment that he did, we're not announcing our media rights still because we want the focus to be on football today. George, guess what? In that entire Q&A session, and I listened, listened to the entire thing at least twice. I went through the entire thing. There was not a single question asked of the commissioner regarding football about Caleb Williams and his defending his Heisman Trophy. Can uh, Anything to do with actual on-the-field football-related matters. Not a single question was asked to the commissioner in that Q&A portion about this. And for him to say, well, you're reading too much into that. George, James Crepia, like everybody else, is saying, 
So you're not announcing something because you have it done? Because we've all been waiting for a year now. It's been over a year since we have heard the Pac-12 had opened up their media rights opportunities. They entered an exclusive negotiating window with ESPN and Fox at the time. Then after that window uh, concluded, they took it to the open market. Uh, and then later on, George Klyovkov later also said that they, the, more, the longer they wait, the more options are on the table. And our patience is going to be rewarded is one of the quotes that he used in that Q&A portion. And by the way, if you missed any of these comments, along with feels like at this point, hundreds, it's not hundreds, but it's in the tens of the media interviews we did yesterday. Um, we talked, uh, We you can go to our uh, website, kslsports.com. You can find it all. It's wherever you get your podcasts as well. Just search out KSL Sports and Pac-12. And the, the thing about this is he, the, the messaging coming from this conference is utterly confusing. They say one thing. Well, you're reading too much into that. George, you said it. So what where are we supposed to go with that? You were supposed to be, uh, yeah, all good, all good, dude. Like, no, you're, you're going to ask about that. And Sarah, you said yeah, you had another clip of this from George here, right? The- yeah, so it's just from the earlier part before okay. the Q&A started, just his comments regarding the media rights oh, deal yes. and expansion. Okay. Play this real quick. Yeah, this is a good one. Let me provide you with an update on our media rights negotiation and our approach to considering expansion. I know there's been speculation about the timing of our media deals. But in the end, we're on track to announce our deals at about the same time as everyone would have anticipated and predicted before the news of conference realignment. The Pac-12 Board of Directors has met regularly throughout the process and has been united in their commitment to one another and to the Pac-12. And this commitment and patience will be rewarded with an announcement in the near future. Getting the right deal has always been important, more important to to our board and to the conference than getting the expeditious one. Regarding potential expansion, while we have already done the due diligence on expansion candidates many months ago and significantly narrowed our focus to a handful of schools, our sequence remains unchanged. First, we will conclude our media rights deals. Then our schools will sign our grant of rights, which has already been negotiated. And only then will we decide on potential expansion. All right. So he says that we are going to make an announcement when most people might have expected it to. Okay, George, the problem is you have multiple of your university chancellors and presidents over the past year who have said six weeks, two to three weeks. Coming soon. You guys said in February yourselves in an official statement from the Pac-12, we are going to consummate our media rights deal in the near future. Okay. You also have ADs who have come out and said, we're going to get this done quick. The messaging. Get on the same page, (laughs) y'all. I just can't. I I, I don't want to bag too hard on the Pac-12 and George Klyovkov, but this is kind of this really is more of the same for the messaging coming out of Pac-12 Media Day and all the stuff going on with uh, the media rights negotiations and everything. It's just there, there, there is a message, I guess, issue in terms of understanding how like, they they expect people to be like, okay, yeah, we're good, we're just going to kind of move along. No, that's not how people operate. In this universe, they just want to know when things are going to happen. And you continue to say it's coming soon. It's coming soon. It's been over a year. So you can say it's coming soon, but it wears thin on people when the same message continues to be the the message that goes out. So I I don't know what ultimately the Pac-12 is going to do. I assume they're going to put a media rights deal together. Now, we did hear uh, some rumors out there. I thought it was in The Athletic. I thought from uh, Stuart Mandel saying that he thinks that that at least he heard, he reported that at least two members of the current Pac-12 are adamantly opposed to conference expansion, and that's to San Diego State's denigration. That's SMU. Sorry, guys. It's not going to happen. But – the, the, the problem the Pac-12 face right now is they're not on the same page in any way, shape, or form. You have Kirk Schultz at Washington State going out and saying one thing when he was talking with their uh, their Board of Regents saying, we're going to get this done here in the next few weeks. That's been over a month ago since he made those comments. Then you have Robert Robbins, the president of Arizona, who's been on the record multiple times saying, it's coming soon, it's coming soon, but we are going to look at our options. Then you hear the rumors about Colorado and Phil DiStefano, their president, earlier this week said that on Thursday they were going to actually have 
have a meeting with uh, the Pac-12, and they were going to see the quote-unquote numbers of a media rights deal. They were actually going to see the, the the details as recently as, as would have been Thursday from George Klyovkov as well as the Pac-12 leadership. Well, it comes out on Friday that those numbers were never seen. They were never discussed in said meeting. This is, this is the problem the Pac-12 faces right now, is they have a messaging issue. They are not on the same page. They don't act as a united front. They, they just don't operate in concert with one another, and that's, that's going to hurt their image. And their, trust me, their image has taken a hit over the last year. Any of you out there who are listening to the show know that they have taken a hit. And it, that, that's the tough part right now. With regards to how the Pac-12 is operating, is that George Klyovkov can go out and say one thing, and then it feels like a week later somebody else is going to go out and say something else that almost contradicts what he is going to say. He had contradicted himself yesterday, telling James Crepia, well, you're reading too much into that. Well, what is it, George? Either you have the meteorite still done and, as James said, codified, and it's ready to roll, and you, you're purposely sitting on it to make a bigger splash when you decide to announce it at some point, or you were just talking out of both sides of your mouth, just making a, a comment that is going to obviously elicit reaction, and you actually don't have the deal done, and you were just, you were just saying something to say something. It's a, it's a tough tough deal if you're the Pac-12, and I don't envy them. I, I honestly don't feel like they're doing themselves any favors at the same time, but the hope is at some point, yes, they will get a media rights deal done, then they will get their grant of rights locked in, as you heard him talk about, and then we will explore expansion. Great. Get it done. It's been over a year. Let's move on and find something else to talk about, but it feels like this is going to drag on for at least a while longer, if not throughout at least this entire season. And guess what? If you're a Pac-12 administrator, coach, AD, etc., get ready for more questions of this ilk until that gets done. All right, we will come back on the other side. I want to get to some of the comments uh, from Media Day from Utah, as well as Caleb Williams, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, We'll hear from Kyle Whittingham, who joined our crew down there, Jake Scott, Patrick Kinahan, Scott Mitchell, Hans. Olsen holding it down for an entire day. A lot of interviews, a lot of audio. As I said, you can go to kslsports.com to get all those. Search out the Pac-12 podcast app in our podcast um, tab over there. Or on your podcast provider of choice, just search out KSL Sports Pac-12, and it should pull up that feed. And you'll have literally every interview that we conducted, as well as a lot of podium audio as well, will be available for you guys as well. So more in a moment. Uh, we'll talk more about Pac-12 Media Day. Top of the 11 o'clock hour, Michelle Bodkin, who was in Las Vegas. Uh, she will weigh in with her thoughts and her her takeaways as she was talking with people down there all day long yesterday as well. Technical fouls still on the way. Five minutes of plenty to go. This is the Saturday show on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Hope you guys are all having a fantastic Saturday. I've got the British Open up here, the Open Championship officially. Uh, Brian Harmon is still leading the tournament. He is at nine under par. John Rahm, uh, Jason Day, and Tommy Fleetwood, all three shots back, tied for second at six under. We'll keep you updated on that as it continues. But uh, kind of a crazy, crazy thing out there, the the British Open. Like the Brian Harmon goes out and just uh, takes this gigantic lead yesterday and we'll see if they can get reeled back in but uh we we've been talking about this all week long getting ready for this is the finals major of the year but crazy stuff Fleetwood hitting a shot right now but we'll continue to update you on that but wanted to get back to some of the conversation going on uh with regards uh, to the 
to the Pac-12 in their media day yesterday. Now, uh, obviously, we were down there as a station, as I mentioned, Jake Scott, Patrick Kinahan, Hans Olsen, and Scott Mitchell, our, our team that was down there. I know that Michelle Bodkin was there, Chandler, who works on our digital team, was there, uh, Sam Farnsworth. We had a whole crew of people from KSL Sports and the overall umbrella here with KSL Sports down there. But Kyle Whittingham, obviously Utah head football coach, uh, sat down with our crew, and I want you to let you guys hear some of his comments. He talks a lot about the upcoming season. Uh, Utah's picked to finish third in the media poll, and I'm not going to lie, I know Kyle isn't directed uh, necessarily. Uh, what I'm trying to say, he doesn't necessarily want to say it outright. I think he absolutely loves the fact that Utah was picked there as the two-time defending champions. He's like, hey, we're the underdog again. That's when Kyle thrives in this role. So here you go. Here's his comments uh, with our crew right here yesterday on Pac-12 Media Day. Joining us now, the head coach of the University of Utah, Kyle Whittingham. Big shot. <laughs> Billy Joel, little Billy Joel reference. Oh, man. Way to start the, the interview with singing, PK. Way to go. Way to start it off right. How long you had that plan? It just came it. to me. Just, just went off the You're road. Quick. You're quick. Brutal. Hey, back-to-back champion University of Utah. That's got to feel pretty good. But yet pick third. Doesn't matter. Doesn't know we could care less. That's uh, or couldn't care less. My wife always corrects me on that. We couldn't couldn't care less. Uh, In fact, we'll get a little bit of fuel out of that. I'm sure you will. Provide a little bit of incentive, and and uh, between that and our championship quarterback, not even become an honorable mention. Oh yeah, it doesn't matter, but he knows it. Yeah, I know. Knife in the back. It's uh, we'll use it all to our advantage. Disrespect. So. I will say, though, there was some respect given for the all Pac-12 preseason team. There was, six, no doubt. Six youths That's, put on that. That's, that is, uh, I guess if you do the math, uh, you should have one-twelfth of the 22, and we got uh, over a quarter of the 22 <laughs> first-teamers, so, so that's good. And I know you can care about Cam. I just care about the offensive line, and you got two of them. That's yeah, all that matters. We got an offense. Jim Harding has done a phenomenal job putting that line together, and I can say without a doubt it's the deepest and most talented offensive line group that we've had since I've been here, and that's been a while. You know, would, the last few years – training camp for University of Utah is what I call boring because I mean you have competition (laughs) but so much of it it just seems like you're always returning a ton of players. I don't know how you do it. Maybe it's the COVID year or something. I'm I'm not sure but it just seems like the last few years uh, you've gone in like three of the last four years and throw the COVID out because I totally agree with you. It doesn't count. count. Nobody counts COVID. Tell me anybody that counts COVID. I don't agree with it. I agree with you 100%. But it just seems like you got so many of the positions set and it's about getting young guys ready so when their time comes. And it's really remarkable the consistency that way. Well, two things. Number one, we've stacked some really good recruiting classes together, you know, three or four in a row. And uh, that's starting to manifest. And then the player development. You know, that's what we are. We're a player development program. And, and uh, developing those guys as they come up through the system is, is our forte. And our assistant coaches do a phenomenal job with that. And that's our recipe right there. I mean, that's, it's not hard to figure out. Uh, you know, the thing that you throw into that recipe is a couple of transfers. And you did it with one of the Reed boys that was spectacular out of Stanford. I thought had yeah. a lot of success. And now you do it with a Damuni. Right. We're and excited about him. It, yeah. It seems like you guys have a, a process for picking a couple of pieces out of the portal that, that play a big role. Is Damuni yep. going to be one of those? We, we firmly believe that. He's in workouts with us this summer. Looks great. Uh, he's a proven commodity. Just turned on his film at, at Stanford. He, was, he did great things there. And uh, he will be a, a big uh, asset for us. And uh, we feel like the portal overall, since the advent of the portal, has been uh, very good to us. We feel like we've netted far more gain than we have lost. Where do you play the money? Do you play him at the safety, or do you put him at the outside backer? Like, how do you? He's use... an inside backer. Okay, he's an inside backer. Plays yeah, inside. He'll play inside with Kareni and and uh, Lander and those guys in there. And uh, Man, that's that's a tough that crew right it there. It is. They're they're uh, you know and Lander. He's two hundred forty five pounds now. I mean, he looks like a. Uh, some sort of Greek god. I mean, you could be on a, you know, on some statue. He's he's a pretty incredible specimen. Yeah, you talk about him. Uh, my wife taught him in the sixth grade. Oh, PE. really? Yeah, P- at at L- PE. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and she said that every time she'd introduce a unit, uh, she would have him. Be the demo, demo yeah, guy, right? Yeah. Because he was so coordinated. Right. She told me in the sixth grade, this kid's going to be yeah. all that. Yeah. Uh, and you look at him now. Uh, 
you've had when you first got into the conference. Uh, you had one or two, I think uh, Norris was somebody, uh, but it seemed like linebacker, you needed to get improvement. And you've gotten improvement now to where your linebackers, if they're starting multiple years, they're basically an NFL linebacker. What difference does that make defensively to be able to have that caliber of linebacker in this conference? Well, it's huge, and, and obviously, uh, you know, I agree with you 100% that we've been able to <clears throat> continue to upgrade the roster year after year ever since we really got in the Pac-12, but a lot of the success of our linebackers is due to the front. I mean, our front is, I believe, the best front in the conference, and uh, this year will be no difference. Junior Tafuna, I think, is the best interior lineman in the league, and and so uh, you know that really, as a former linebacker, when you get those guys up front, keeping those guys off you and keeping keeping your you know keeping yourself clean so you can scrape and flow, that makes a huge difference. Well, I was talking about Aliki, Samote, and Junior. Yeah. If you take those three. Could you find a better collective three interior in the country? I wouldn't trade them. Yeah, I, I haven't obviously looked at every single school's personnel, but yeah. uh, from what I know, uh, we love those guys. And then you add David Fotu to that mix. And, Seems and, like an uh, unfair rotation. Yeah, well, that's... we got, we got uh, uh, an embarrassment of riches. Is that? Yeah. I guess you could say that up front. That, that's always where it starts uh, on both sides. The line of scrimmage is up front. And, well, uh, and I've put a lot of emphasis on Connor O'Toole because yeah. I, you, you go back to when you guys were leading the nation in sacks with Nate Orchard and Hunter Dimmick, you had that interior push. Right. So I put a lot of emphasis on Connor because if those guys are doing what I think they're going to do, Connor's going to reap the benefits. Right. That works hand in hand. And not only Connor, but Jonah Ellis and Van Fillinger. People forget about Van Fillinger. He was, he's tremendous. I mean, he, <clears throat> that Oregon game, the championship game uh, a couple years back, he was a dominator if you've watched that tape. And, and then you uh, add Logan Fano, who's really, I mean, he's special. Logan Fano is going to be a, a special player. So we're, we've got, uh, you know, a bunch of talented guys on on the line of scrimmage and again that makes everything else seem to fall into place coach as you know pk is a hot take machine i mean he just rolls them out (laughs) one after another and he had one this morning that this is the uh toughest schedule utah's ever played would you agree with that hot take i think without a doubt it's the toughest in the pac-12 this year i don't think there's any any argument there uh toughest of all time you know i'd have to go back and look but uh you know, just off the top of my head, I say there's a good chance that, that PK's right for once. <laughs> for a change. Yeah. Good that shot. would be a change. Hey. i got to give it to you. I didn't see it coming. <laughs> well done, Jake. You nailed it. Yeah, well done. That, that one did that land. For me. Uh, you you're that welcome. Yeah. Jake had a joke yesterday that didn't land with Not him. Not at all. <laughs> Not at this, all. This one landed. Uh, did, did you sit in your office and, and sweat over this Pac-12 media deal? Does this Zero. Did, Zero okay. sweating. Yeah, yeah. this is uh, It's part of the deal. What it does is... As we say every year, it signifies that the season's right around the corner. Uh, gives our players a chance to get to bring two players, and Cam and Cole Bishop are the guys we brought this year, and let them have a great experience. And so, no, this is just business as usual. Uh, the TV contract, too. TV contract. I think we're heading in the right I know we're heading in the right direction. Uh, should be solidified uh, sooner rather than later, I would think. Again, I don't have any inside information or i'm not privy to anything that that is special but but i know the vibe that we're getting uh from the powers that be is is uh is good right now he sweats over having to punch out from the trees <laughs> and actually he's pretty Which good at lot. it because he's in there a lot, lot. yeah you're right or those fairway bunkers yeah. that it takes five to get out when yeah. somebody's telling him hey would you just pitch out and take your losses no thick-headed dude over yeah. here man my god course management is not my strength <laughs> That's not my I can recall being down in uh, Los Angeles at the hotel downstairs talking to Andy Ludwig, and he got done, and I'm off to the side, and he's just raving about what you guys, who you guys call J.J. Jackson as a running back. He thinks the guy's an NFL back, and I'm thinking that he might be the surprise player offensively in the conference this year because not a lot of people know about him, but if Ludwig, who isn't known for being outrageous with his statements, if he's pumping him up, up, I'm thinking you guys got something there. Yeah, Andy. Andy is very measured in his comments, and, right? And uh, really uh, doesn't go over over the top much, uh, if ever. But right. uh, JJ last year it was a. Uh, you know, that may have been certainly one of the most single important things that transpired was his move to running back and how he embraced that and how he excelled that. I mean, it's it's one thing to change positions, but if you change with the right attitude and, and you really embrace it, uh, you know, you, good things usually happen, and that was uh, really saved our running game that second half of the season. Good luck getting reps to everybody that deserves it. I know, that room has uh, got some, some guys in it. We added some 
pretty good players in this recruiting class. It's it's going to be very competitive. Well, Coach, thank you for a few minutes. Oh, thank You're you guys. You're always the best. Okay, and appreciate so nice you. nice to sit down with us. All right, there you go, Kyle Whittingham. And uh, you heard him talk about it. He's like, I know that we're getting close to it. And Kyle, he has been very reticent to really comment on it, but it was good to hear him talk about that. You also heard him talk a lot. Of, he, he's, you can tell he's confident in the, in the talent of this team. And I, I'm telling you, he relishes being the quote-unquote underdog. I know being picked third out of a 12-team conference means you're a relative favorite, but you're the two-time defending champions. And when USC and Washington are picked above you, you can guarantee Kyle's over there pointing on the, on the whiteboard saying, they have no respect for you guys. So uh, we'll see how they do uh, taking on that role this upcoming season. Now, uh, his quarterback also was down there at Pac-12 Media Day, Cam Rising, a lot of questions about his knee. Uh, is he going to be available against Florida? Uh, will he be able to play right away once the season begins after tearing that ACL in the Rose Bowl game? Well, here's some of the comments from Cam Rising. Joining us now, quarterback for the University of Utah, Cameron Rising. Good morning. How are you? Doing good. How are you? Oh, we're we're doing great. Uh, what second media day, right? Yep. You like you like this stuff? You like doing the car wash? Old hat. It's uh, it, it is what it is. You've done I, a few I, I interviews I by now. It. Yeah, it's yeah. um, it's a good time. You know, just just try to have fun with it. It was yeah. hard. It was hard sitting over here watching Cole Bishop just whip your trash over there. Whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> you must be mistaken. I, I mean, I, I, I the, saw one between the legs. <laughs> oh. You guys got to see that ball was going back here because I was hitting it past him every time. He, he that, that, I was letting him warm up. I saw he, was, you, he didn't want to start sweating. That's the problem. I you saw know. you use the ceiling. You, you I tried hit, to. Yeah, I, you I were hitting to, it off the ceiling. I was trying to go over him. You know, he was he was sitting up pressing the kitchen. So you know, I had to I had to try to go over, but it didn't work out. It's well, funny you know. because people were looking. Oh, Cam Rising. Oh, how can he move? How's that leg? How's that knee? Yeah. Blah blah blah. blah. Yeah. And that's what everyone's talking about. Coach Witt, Coach Witt was like, "Hey, calm it down here." You know? <laughs> Did he come over? <laughs> <laughs> Take it easy. No, no sharp cuts now. <laughs> How's that thing feeling? It must be feeling pretty good. Feels great. Yeah, I can't complain. It's a everything, everything is right where it needs to be right now. Uh, talk about starting off with Florida. We were, we were uh, talking about this, and hopefully everything through camp is, is right, ready to go. But uh, do you want another crack at those guys, given yeah. how last year's game went? Itching at it, just just chomping at the bit to get back out there and, and really excited for the opportunity to play them again, for sure. I can recall being with you down in uh, the hotel room at Los Angeles, and I asked you, and we had a little running joke, are you coming back? Or, I don't know. And then, <laughs> You probably remember that yeah. when they had that little boot there. When it was, Absolutely. I was obvious to me that you were coming back at that point. Gotcha. Uh, so people think that you came back post-injury when you actually, I believe, had made the decision before. Yeah, it was like the, a week or two before. R- right, yep. and by telling me, I don't know, you were basically telling me yes. Yeah, to and a certain so, degree. Right, I yep. mean, yeah, right. And so just speak to that. People think it was the, the injury, but really it wasn't. Why you sort of changed your mind because you were in uh, Rice Eccles' new media room and said that you thought that that was your last game or last season, whatever it was. Yeah, um it was kind of just up in the air for a little while and kind of going back and forth with, with the team and everything and just really trying to see what, what was the best steps for me to take. And, and yeah, just just kind of came to that conclusion a, a few weeks before the game and really kind of was, was settled with it and then got hurt. It just kind of happened like that. It was unfortunate that that, that came up, but that's just that's kind of part of it. Mm-hmm. So while you were playing over there, uh, I was talking a little bit about who you are as a competitor, at least what you show on the field as a competitor, and I started thinking, this guy gets a shot at Florida. He gets a shot at redemption against Florida. How much do you think about that game? How much do you think about the game that was and the game that's coming forward? Does that play a lot in your mind? Yeah, I mean, I I don't like to lose a game, and and it's always going to kind of haunt you a little bit and just kind of be in the back of your mind and just really makes waking up early and, and going into your workout just that much easier and just kind of kind of fuels you and just as as that fuel to the fire so really just just excited to to have that opportunity and just re- ready for it talk about the weapons you're going to have uh, throwing the football and running but it, for that matter take it how you want to go but uh, the guys that you're going to utilize this year yeah, I mean, I, I, the the wide receiver room has taken a, a step in the right direction, and I think everybody in that room is competing at a high level. So, I think we're going to see a lot more production come from that receiver room. And then tight ends are are what the tight ends are. They, they're always going to be a part of our system. They're they're such a big piece, always making sure that the run game is going the way it should. 
and and yeah the running backs I, I think it's as talented of as a full room as we've ever had so just really excited to to see how those pieces fall into place and and what we end up doing this this year i believe that kincaid owes you a couple mil but that's just my personal opinion for just what you <laughs> just a little something yeah, yeah. yeah. Made, made him look yes. so good Go to but, Ruth Chris or something that, you know? uh, yeah. your your coach uh, you know, he's a tough guy, and he's a motivator and all that stuff, and he uses his weapons at his disposal. And he already talked about how, okay, that'll, that pick third in the conference will provide some fuel. And then he also brought up his quarterback, two-time winner, uh, honorable mention or whatever it was in some preseason thing. I, I didn't really even pay attention to it, but he knew about it. I, it seems like there's a level of disrespect there. You're a, se- you're a leader, senior leader. Uh, how much do you think that can fuel the guys? Um, I mean, for me personally, it definitely definitely is a lot of fuel for me. That just going to make it just that much easier to go watch film and everything like that. But, yeah, I think the guys are going to take it personal and really really just kind of just waiting for, for our turn to, to be in that in that that totem pole but i guess you gotta you gotta go win it a third time to, to make that happen so we're just ready for the for the chance and the opportunity to do that so there you go cam rising and you heard him talking about it. they're motivated they want to go out and prove it uh he did make some headlines also i don't know how i'm assuming everybody saw it on social media there was a reporter out of las vegas who asked him and cole bishop about not facing byu this year it's not a local reporter here from utah it was a guy out of las vegas and be very clear about that that was not somebody showing up from utah being like all right i'm gonna troll these guys they both said they wanted to play byu and they're excited to play because they didn't get a chance to play really in the last game but nonetheless uh interesting comments from cam you can tell he's highly motivated to go out there and prove himself uh the hope is that he will be ready to go kyle did say on the podium yesterday at pac-12 media day it will go quote right down to the wire unquote with regards to if cam rising will be healthy and available to go against florida uh we are under six weeks to go it's crazy to think it's coming that quickly but fun at the same time and the hope is that cam will be able to play because they will if utah wants to three p if they want to make it three straight Pac-12 titles in a row, you've got to have Cam Rising at his best. Now, let's also add the caveat on that, that if Utah wants to do that, you have to win in the Pac-12. The first two games, Florida and Baylor, are obviously big games because they're name opponents, and obviously if you want to make a run towards the college football playoff, you need to win those games. But you can still win the Pac-12 title and go three-peat in that with potentially him sitting out in the non-conference. Obviously, the preference would be for him to be out there on that Thursday night when Florida comes to Salt Lake City to play play at Rice-Eccles Stadium, but... We'll have to kind of wait and see, but interesting comments all the same. He says it's feeling good. Uh, people I talked to said he's moving around just fine, and the hope is he'll be ready to go. And when Cam Rising's at his best, we all know how good of a player he truly is. All right, uh, we will come back on the other side. We'll get to technical fouls, one of our staples here on the Saturday show. Coming up at 11 o'clock, Michelle Bodkin will join us talking about what her observations of Pac-12 Media Day were. I'm excited to kind of get her take on uh, some of the comments from George Klyovkov, obviously talking Talking with Kyle as well as the Utah players and anything else he picked up. It's just it's interesting uh, to see where things are ultimately going to land on all this. But we'll continue to have that conversation and continue on right here on ninety-seven point five FM, the KSL Sports Zone. If you're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet, that's a technical foul. If you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a bat. Cause that's a technical foul. You won't feel my wrath. That's a technical foul. Personal file, 69, offense. He was giving them the business. A technical foul. Welcome back to the Saturday Show. It is time now for technical fouls. Obviously, when we're having fun with this, we're talking a lot of stuff going on uh, with regards to the sports world. And I've got some good ones this week. Uh, Sarah, I want to start with yours because these are always funny to me because baseball has this rep. Like, they, well, they can't play in the rain. And that's the thing. They have these tarps. But they call it the tarp monster seems to collect its fair share of victims every yes, year. Yes, it's it was out for blood recently, yeah. as people said. Um, I don't know if they're both in the Cincinnati game, but um, there was one where they're running across the field, the diamond, trying Mm -hmm. to get it covered, and it's like massive. It's a huge tarp, (laughs) and there's at least 10-plus guys running with this thing, and you can't trip because if you trip, 
you then get stuck underneath the tarp. And that happened to one poor, poor guy got stuck under the tarp and then had to army crawl his way out to one of the ends to get out from underneath it. So that was a little rough. And then there was another one where a guy was laying on the ground with his arm through one of the loops on the tarp, yeah. hold, trying to doing his best to hold it in place so they could <laughs> get it across the whole field while the wind was picking up. And so, like, he looks like he's about to fly away. Yeah. So rough. The tarp monster. That's going to be my technical foul. Here's the thing. Those tarps, people think, like, I've had people tell me, like, they can't be that heavy. No, th- folks, these things are massive. Like, and that's the thing about this. You get trapped underneath it, they're pretty heavy duty. You literally, as, as you mentioned, he's got to kind of army crawl his way out. He's got to, and he's probably trying to, which way do I go? <laughs> Maybe a little less traumatic, but like getting stuck under ice. Where do you go? Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's a very similar concept. It's he's terrifying. trying to figure out which direction's up. <laughs> Terrifying stuff. All right, I got a couple here, Sarah, so I want your thoughts on this. So uh, Seattle Mariners uh, have a guy named Jared Kelenic who's been a big part of their success this season. They're one game over 500, trying to make a run towards the playoffs. I admit I am a Seattle Mariners fan, but I saw this this week. Uh, he broke his foot kicking a water cooler after striking out in the ninth inning of a game earlier this week. Uh, as they say, he's going to be out an extended period of time. He's placed on the 10-day injured list on Thursday, uh, so he did this on Wednesday. He was apologetic, fighting through the tears, relating his emotions out of hand and expressing his frustration. But here's the deal. Why are you kicking a water cooler? Take your baseball bat like every other good freak out in a baseball dugout and smash something with the bat. Don't kick it with your foot. Um, anyways, wait, what are your th- – because this is this is hurting his team and his his, his manager said that uh, – his manager said it hurts everybody now that because he got – the emotions got the, best, got the best of him. Yeah, I much – that's like worse than getting injured while celebrating because you're pouting. Yeah. I'd much rather you injure yourself celebrating a big win or a big play than pouting over a bad one. Yeah. That's bad. Yeah, like here's the thing. Like we've seen – We've seen baseball players break phones with baseball bats. We see them slam them into the like break the bat on like concrete. Don't go and kick a water cooler. You don't know if that thing's full or empty. And he fractures a bone in his foot. And they say he's in, he's in a walking boot and will be for some time. <sighs> Jilted Mariners fan over here. Why do I root for this team when they do stuff like this? Anyways, uh, one other one here, real quick. Uh, we're gonna go over to we're gonna go across the pond, as they say, Sarah. Uh, did you see this by chance? A, a Gateshead uh, football club. They play in the fifth tier of the English professional division. Had their match abandoned. Get this. After a hearse, like we're talking like funeral hearse, drove onto the pitch and was doing donuts. <laughs> nice. I saw this last night on social media, and I, I, I trust me, I thought it was an AI recreation or something like that. But it was legitimately a hearse. It was a friendly between Dunstan and Gateshead. It was abandoned at halftime uh, after uh, two vehicles were driving in circles in the center of the pitch. One was just a regular car, but one of them was out was a hearse. And the, by the way, the hearse was left on the pitch by the guys who did this. They hopped in the other car and took off. I have so many questions. Well, how did they get? Is it? How did they get on the field? Is it a legit stadium or is it just because if it's 15th here, it might just be an open field. But. So they actually have a stadium. It's called Gateshead International Stadium. This is up in Newcastle. If you're if any of you are really uh, that f- curious about it, which is in the very north part of England, kind of right there on the border with Scotland. Uh, but apparently, according to one fan who was in attendance, uh, they said that the uh, let's see. Gateshead FC fan Archie told the BBC the intruders, quote, apparently barged through the gate from the car park, then broke through the railings alongside the edge of the pitch and then started doing donuts and whatnot. I mean, in the middle of the field. If you're going to do a joyride, you might as well go big. Uh, and there was also this the posters were thrown out of the car's window in an apparent protest before two people in ski masks jumped out of the hearse and into the silver car and drove off. The posters included a number of personal allegations about two individuals. So this was well thought out. They did. They disguised themselves. Uh, something. But wh- 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 my question is, where did you get the hearse? First off, <laughs> did you stop by the local funeral parlor and say, hey, I need to borrow that? I I don't know. This is so, so weird. There's a picture here of the hearse just sitting in the middle of the pitch here, and there's fans kind of all along the perimeter, and it's just in the middle. And by the way, 
the some of the donuts. I saw. I saw the video of this. You can go search it. I just heard Gates Head. It's one word: G A T E S H E A D. Gates Head, as you might expect. Uh, but the donuts being done are pretty good. Like they, they they've done First this can, before. Can can really will it, it. it? It was whipping around. Uh, it, I don't know. Just. What, what are you thinking? What so are, many questions. Oh, yeah. Anyways, it's just like, okay, where, hey, to your question, where did you get the hearse from in the first place? What possesses you to be like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go drive on a football pitch and we're going to, I don't know, weird, weird stuff. Uh, one other one before we go here is big technical foul here on uh, Minnesota Vikings rookie wideout Jordan Addison. He was on I-94 in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, the portion of the road he was on had posted 55 mile an hour speed limit and Sarah, he was doing 140 miles an hour in a Lamborghini on that stretch of road. Somehow he avoided getting arrested for reckless driving, which I think most of us would have been arrested for reckless driving, going 85 miles an hour over the speed limit. He's probably facing a pretty hefty fine. He was cited for it, but yes. You should be in – most people would be in jail. Yeah, you'd be arrested and booked and now he was cited. Uh, there's actually video from the Minnesota Department of Transportation of him getting uh, pulled over by the Minnesota Highway Patrol or whatever. The, I don't remember what they necessarily called it. He was uh, cited – he was issued a citation by the trooper for speed and reckless driving. Uh, Minnesota law says those buses driving over 100 miles an hour can lose their license for six months. Uh, the House Statute Research Office says a jail sentence of up to a year and a potential fine of $2,500 are also possible. So uh, it says that he could still face those type of charges, but what are you doing, dude? I get you've got a bunch of money in the bank now, and you probably went and rewarded yourself with that Lamborghini or you at least rented it, but 140 miles an hour? Because we just saw, and who was it? It was the Raiders receiver, Henry Ruggs III. He's spending the next 10 years of his life, folks in the Nevada State Penitentiary for killing a woman while he was speeding. He was also intoxicated at the time, but he was going as fast, if not faster, than this slammed into the back of a car. Don't do this. This is just dumb, like beyond dumb. I get you want to go fast. Guess what? You're rich enough. You can go to a myriad go to of a racetrack. racetrack and do that. They will let you do that. You have the money to do that. Wh- what are you doing? Like on a highway, you, you, there's so many variables on an open highway with regards to other cars. Change in a lane. You don't have the time to react. It just There's so much wrong with this and – hopefully he learns his lesson because this could have been a lot worse than it was. Don't speed and don't do donuts in the middle of a soccer field. Lessons learned. By the way, he's doing this at 3 in the morning too. Like, what are you doing? Uh, Anyways, uh, we'll move on here. We're going to have Michelle Bodkin checking in from Las Vegas with us tomorrow. Coming up next, not tomorrow. Why do I want to say tomorrow? But nonetheless, she's going to join us with next a talk about what she took away from Pac-12 Media Day. Uh, get uh, some of her takes on that as well as if she's anything yummy while she's been out in there in Sin City. We'll get to all that next. This is the Saturday Show on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.